Live from the CBS Community in Philadelphia, continue with Derek Hashem. A beautiful, slightly uh, warmish Wednesday morning. It's already warm. 9.30 in the morning, probably just going to get warmer. But here we are sitting around the table, about to go weiter in Derek Hashem, and we are halfway through the final paragraph in the third paragraph of the third section of the Sefer. So we're in Chela Gimel, Perek Gimel, halfway through Vav. And the Ramchal is describing to us two things. The first of which we saw yesterday. The first one is the Navu experience. What happens to the Navi when he's in the middle of this experience? And we talked about this trembling, the convulsing, the seizures, collapse, totally total sensory deactivation. And that's all because of the fact that the Navu experience is really not just out of body, it's antibody, antibody experience. And something that should not be able to happen while he still has a body, while he still has his shoes, and feet in his shoes on this ground. That's why everything about him that is still in body form has to sort of be deactivated, neutralized. That's the convulsions, the seizures. It's not just the deactivation, it's the fact that the body is being jolted with an experience that the Nisham is experiencing as it's still tethered to the body with something the body can't handle. It's a tarti disaster, it's a contradiction in terms. The, the, there's nothing more spiritual than the experience of Nevuot, which is the ultimate uh, of the Matzah Minas Minai, of the soul, finding its, its source and finding its creator. And there's nothing more diametrically opposed to the body. The body can't handle it, as we said, it's like grabbing onto a high um, voltage power cable. The body can't handle that kind of electricity, you can't handle it. Small, minute amounts of electricity. You could handle, you could handle. You know, touch a battery to your tongue. Everyone knows what happens. You feel a little bit of a tingle, right? A little bit of a tingle. You can te- tolerate that, that but, but uh, you get struck by that bolt of lighting. The body can't handle that. So it's the same exact thing with Ruchmi's. The body can't handle it. The body goes into total collapse. Total collapse. Uh, total shutdown. Not only that, when a step further, we saw that Hashem actually has to keep you alive during Nebuah because it's so opposed in a fundamental sense to the physical existence of myself and it's such an antibody experience that Hashem has to be sustaining me while I'm in this experience. Then, that's the first point that's what we saw yesterday. The second point is now, what exactly is going on during this Nevuah experience and what makes it unique and sets it aside from Ruach HaKadosh, Stan wanted to know yesterday what is the marked difference between the ultimate uh, glimpse clarity um, and uh, illumination that I get during the Navu experience, and how does that differ than that illumination experience of Ruach HaKadosh, or divine inspiration? So let's continue. That's the second half. So here we go, and we say like this. Um, we'll go back to there, about one quarter of the way through the paragraph. From the perspective of the devekus, of the bonding, the oneness that his neshama has with Hashem's infinitude, Hashem's light, even through the lenses, it is increased and inserted within this person an illumination, comprehension, a clarity, which is above and beyond any type of illumination, clarity, or comprehension that he can get in a mortal sense, far sur- sur- surpasses it. The comprehension and illumination that a person experiences and receives during the Nevoah goes completely, totally beyond 
the boundaries and the limitations of mortal comprehension and mortal illumination. So it's clear from the Ramchal that the difference between the comprehension and illumination that one receives when he's in a state of nevuah is not just, uh, the difference between that and the comprehension you get when you're not in a state of nevuah, like us here sitting around the table, is not just a quantitative difference. It's a qualitative one. There's a fundamental difference. And that's what we're going to have to try to figure out this morning. We've got to, got to try to pin this down. What is that fundamental, qualitative difference between what I comprehend, what I glean during the vua, and what I can ascertain when I'm not in a state of nevuah? But we'll have to see, but it's clear that it is a qualitative difference. Um, by the way, by the way, I saw yesterday, yesterday I left my copy at home. I had to use, I had to borrow one of the items, the ones with the pintalach. I was complaining yesterday about the pintalach. Um, I happened to notice yesterday, this line, because we read one line into this yesterday. It's, it's menukad, that word, yitaisif, is by the oilam as yitvasef. They make it into a salad of a hard of not like a shuruk, or a chaylam rather, yitaisif, yitvasef. The results of this, and that is more of the modern Hebrew pronunciation, yitvasef. Um, that, that word, yitaisef. And we do find this word in, in the Gemara already. Um, it's not, it's not uh, a, a product of, you know, more recent, I mean, you see the Ramchal's using it. But in modern Hebrew, they pronounce that word as yitvasef, and I saw that's taka the nakudas that's there in the Ramchal, yitvasef. Um, the the Balei Dikduk argue that this word is really yitvasef, that that's the correct pronunciation, not yitvasef with a hard vav, but yitvasef as a chaylam, and they bring a very nice ride to that. Um, that's yitvasef, not yitvasef, and that is, I know this is not Dikduk class, so I hope um, I'm not like um, scaring everybody off, but but uh, just could I to know how to what this word is, Yitaisif. Um, the Gemara generally does clue us in. The Gemara was written. The Mishnais were written. The Gemara was written down by Ravina Marbaravashi. And the Gemara generally does follow a rule that a vav that's supposed to be pronounced as a vav, a hard vav, generally the Gemara will double that. The Gemara usually shows us a vav that has to be pronounced a vav and not a chaylam or a shuruk by doubling the vav. And all throughout Shas, whenever this word appears, it's always Yitaisif with one vav, not two vavs. So they argue that Alpi Dikduk and Alpi Klalei Halashin and Alpi Messiah, this is really Yitaisif and not Yitvasif. So that's just a grammatical uh, visionary there. Now let's go on. Yitaisif Vametzias Haschala Chutz Migeder Kol Haschala Anoishis Lagamri. When the Navu is in a state, Navi is in a state of Navua, his illumination and comprehension is goes far beyond any type of human mortal comprehension. We'll have to see in what way. Kisia. Now, in, in what way, Taka? Kisia haschala va loimitzad mashihi va'atzma. Ela mitzad hayoyis hashorish ha'elyon miskasher va. He's not perceiving and comprehending the vision for the vision's sake, the information for the information's sake. Rather, for the, the, the essence of the information, the essence of the vision, the essence of what this looks like from God's perspective. That being the case, what he perceives and comprehends, what he's able to glean during that nevuah, what, what, what he is aware of, is much higher, much loftier, and much more accurate, and, 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 and much more reflective of the item itself, the information itself, the prophecy itself, than anything that he can perceive when he's not in a state of nevuah. But let's explain what that means. So that, that's very wordy a little bit. Let's try to um, 
maybe process that. The Ramchal starts off with a lotion that sounds almost counterintuitive. It sounds like he, you know, he's telling us what it is and what it's not. He starts off by saying what it's not. He says, your comprehension during the was is not what it is itself. So I would think what it is itself, that's what we want. The Zachalein. Ramchal says it's not the Zachalein. It's not the thing itself. It's the Shoyosh El behind the Zachalein. The, the, the essence of the matter, the reality of the matter behind the thing itself. So what's the thing itself? What's the shayush of the thing itself? What's the Ramchal saying? What do I perceive when I'm... Clearly, when I'm not in Nevoah, I see the thing itself. At best, I see the thing itself. When I'm in a state of Nevoah, I see the shayush of the thing itself. What's one and what's the other? What does shayush mean? The root, the, the source. The essential root, the essential um, source matter, source material. So it's like this, Rabbi Say. Let, let's, let's, let's take a moment to step back, step sideways, speak out the, the, the background to understanding what the Ramchal is sharing with us. It's like this. All information and all concepts and all awareness, illumination, and processing we're always limited always limited we're limited by several things whenever we want to understand something comprehend something view something glimpse something interact with something we're always limited by our senses that gather the information and our mind that has to process what our senses are feeding us. And that's just for starters. That's just for starters. So, <clears throat> I want to, you know, learn about the world around me. I have to rely on my five senses. I get visual feedback. I can hear it if it makes noise. I can feel it if there's sensile, tactile feedback. Sometimes I smell it, sometimes I taste it. But, I have to gather all the information via my senses. And then after that, I have to try to analyze the information that's being fed to me by my senses, and I process that. I'm never, ever, 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 ever getting the real, 100% unadulterated, pure um, take on whatever this is, because I'm always limited by my senses, and no two people perceive things the same way. I could read a book, now, you would think that's pretty straightforward, and the book is presenting me information with black and white. It's on a printed page. The words are right there. Where There's no room to misunderstand this. No, there's plenty of room to misunderstand it. I interpret the book, how I assemble the words, the inflection, the tone that I read the sentences with, how I analyze it, what's the message that the author is trying to share with me, what's, what's the theme over here, what's the, uh, what's the goal of this book, what do I do with this information. And there's myriads and myriads of factors that are all personalized by me, that all have to do with my personal take on things that will influence and shape what I, what I do with the information that I read in this book. Two yidn sit down together to read a toysvis. Two yidn read a toysvis together. They'll have five different pshatim in the toysvis between those two yidn. Five different pshatim in the Gemara from, from, from a chavrusa shaft. Because no two people are going to read the Gemara the same way. No two people are going to analyze the words in the Gemara the same way, are going to assemble them the same way, and are going to process that information the same way and, 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 um, and make conclusions the same way. And even when the Gemara is written down, so now it goes a step further. It goes a step further. It goes way beyond that because there's limitations in terms of what I perceive. I'm limited by my senses. I'm limited by how my intelligence, my mind processes the information that it gets from those senses. I'm never really getting... Um, 
the 100% bona fide take on what this really, really, really is. I'm getting my personal spin, and there's no other way around it. And then, it gets even worse, what if I want to share that with somebody else? I want to share that information with somebody else. There are even more degrees of separation that, that happen. Why? Because let's say I read a great book. And I, this is a Geschmacker book. So it's the book according to how I read it, how I understood it, but I want to share it with somebody. So now, not only I had to use my senses to perceive that book, I used my intelligence to make sense of the information my eyes were feeding my mind. I have to now take that clarity that I have in my mind and I have to translate it into words. I have to now put that into words. That's one more translation that has to be made. One more degree of separation, one more... Um, step removed from the essence of the matter itself, because it has to now be put into words, articulated. You know, there was one thing going on up here. In my mind, I had a very good grasp of the information, but I have to try to find the right words. And then those words have to be understood by you. So you have the author, his original intent. So the author had a, had a, had a, had a, had a uh, certain idea in mind, an idea that he wanted to capture. He wrote that down. The author himself didn't find the best words. He did his best. He's not, he's not even sure if he really captured the idea the best way possible, the premise, the plot. Okay, he did his best. He wrote it down. I read it. I have to interpret that. It goes from my eyes, to interpreting printed words on a page, to my mind. Then my mind has to comprehend that, has to analyze that, and then my mind has to find words to give it over to you. And your mind has to take those words from me and assemble and process those words. And everyone has different communication skills. Everyone has different listening skills. So two people could hear me saying the same words and they'll come with come away with two different interpretations and then their mind, uh, two, two different ways of processing those words and their minds have to break it down. So we see that this world is, 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 is a land of confusion. It's a place where there's just room for so much error to be made. And that's the, the by definition, that's what this world is, is that is that we're never going to have a real total, um, unadulterated, pure comprehension of anything that we perceive, we, we never will because we're limited to our senses, which have limitations. We're limited to our processing capacity of the mind, which has limitations. And there's all that personal spin on it. So we're never going to have a real accurate take. Yet at the same time, that's the best that we can do. It's the best that we can do. So this this opens up different Maimari Chazal for us. This world is called an Oilam Hafuch. It's called an upside-down world. It's called an Oilam of Choshech. Chazal referred to Oilam Haz is called Choshech. It's called Laila. Why is it called Laila? Because you never really know what's going on outside of you. You never really know anything that's happening. You're limited to your perception, which is biased, which is, which is, which is uh, swayed. And you're limited to the processing power of your, of, of, your, of your senses, which is limited by your own personal mind. It's, it's Choshech. Yet at the same time, we're not expected to do any better than that, and we we navigate reality based on our understanding of reality. That's the best we can do, and we pass kashayilus based on our perception of reality. Two different dayanim, two different paiskim, two different rabbanim will look at the same thing. They'll see two different things, and they'll give two different psakim. They'll look at the same situation. They'll read the same halacha, and they'll have two different interpretations. They'll give two different psakim, and that that's how Torah works because Torah is built around life down here, and life down here is built around our perceptions of life down here. So yeah, we can't do any better than that, and, and therefore halacha works around that, halacha recognizes that. Perceptions, and my particular perceptions. That's how halacha works, that's how Torah works down here. But again, we're always very far removed from the essence of the matter itself. And not so nevuah. This is the essential difference between nevuah and everything else. And this is 
the qualitative, not just quantitative difference that we're looking for. This is what the Ramchal means when he says that the illumination, the enlightenment, and comprehension I get during Nevoah is chutz migeder kol haschol anoshis legamri. It's way beyond any moral perception, and that I'm being fed not just hadover ba'atzma. That's why the Ramchal says I'm not seeing the thing itself because when I see the thing itself, I still have to filter and process and analyze. No, I'm not seeing a vision. I'm seeing what goes on behind the scenes of the vision. I'm seeing God's vision, so to speak. God's information. I'm seeing God's essence, the essence of the vision. I'm seeing the essence. You know, if somebody would be able to learn Gemara while he's in the state of Nebuah, he would see what, what the essential revealed truth of God is behind this Masechta, behind this parak, behind this discussion. We only see, you know, these the, 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 the essential revealed truth and oneness of God after it comes down through so many layers and so many translations upon translations upon translations, iterations and iterations and iterations. That's what we can perceive during the Vua. You see the essential, concentrated, pure information of God Himself. That's what you're perceiving, and that's something that can only be perceived during the Vua because. Weiter, you're not using senses. It's not a sensory experience. Not a sensory experience, not experience of the mind. My mind is connected to my physicality that's been left behind. My senses are connected to my physicality they've been left behind. It's my soul, my spirituality, which is at one with God's essence, and that is now accessing the essential, pure, unadulterated, unprocessed, unfiltered truth, information of God himself. So that is excuse me, I think quite figuratively and literally, mind-blowing. That's Nebuah is a mind-blowing experience. Okay, so hopefully that helps us understand this a little bit better. Let, let's go on. Uvizeh says the Ramchal in this regard, That's what puts the, the Baal HaNavuah, the Navi, who was receiving Nebuah, during the Nebuah experience, the prophet above the level of the person who receives Ruach HaKodesh. Um, even when we're receiving information, the Navi is receiving pure, unadulterated God information, God Himself. He's not seeing a vision. He's not hearing words. He's not seeing or hearing something that that has to be interpreted and processed by his senses. He's beyond that, above that, within that. He's at the, the realm of the essence of the information itself. That's the illumination comprehension he has when he's at one with God. So he is, is, is at one with God's truth, God's light, God's information, which is all one and the same thing. There's no processing that's going on. No processing necessary. Whereas the Baal Ruach HaKadosh, as we said, what's Baal Ruach HaKadosh? I have a clear vision. I have a clear understanding. I hear someone speaking to me. I see a readout on the screen, right? The real Ruach HaKadosh. Even Ashpan the stairs where I just have a conviction. I have a feeling that I, 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 I know this is what happened. I know this is what you did. I know this is what you were up to. But it's still something that's occurring in my mind. Information in my mind. Someone whispering in my ear. Words. Um, language. Symbolic, even if it's symbolic, but it's something that the, it starts with my mind. It's something that I'm reading, like I read on a computer screen. That's not God information. This is information that maybe came from God, but through many, many, many levels and iterations and translations. And I read it down here. I see it down here. That's Ruach Hakodesh. Um, so again, even Ruach Hakodesh is subject to interpretation, and um, things may be lost in the transfer. Vine. Gilui 
That revelation of the glory of God, God's infinite light, is what is the Navi is connected with through the entire length of the experience, the duration of the Navu experience. Now, when that comes back down to the Navi, then there's a translation process, okay? It's true that when in the state of Navua, when he's in that in the Navua experience, he is not just seeing, perceiving, glimpsing, that's the wrong way of putting it, because that's Vaitra senses. He's at one with God's information. His Neshama is at one with, with God himself, which is God's information, which is God's illumination. Then, when he emerges from the Nuvu experience, that does now have to be transferred back. Okay, that does have to be transferred back now, but he's transferring something that he received on the highest level possible. Um, but the vision that he emerges with is a vision that is coming directly imprinted into his mind by the essential information itself and not through something that he had to interpret, not through something that he had to piece together on his own, which is normally the case. That symbolic, it starts with like a symbolic vision. The Ramchal says that's how Nevuah works. That symbolic um, transfer of the Nevuah experience is then interpreted, processed by his intelligence. But being that it came from the highest level possible, from, from the Gilu of Akash Baruch Hu's covet, um, it's not something that he had to try to piece together his own, comprehend on his own, so it's something that is more fixated in his consciousness. It's something that was implanted in his consciousness, so it is firmly embedded there. It's not something that fades away. So even when he emerges from Nevoa, he returns to this world, the imagery, the symbolism, and how that symbolism is, is understood by his intelligence remains there with clarity because it came directly from HaKash Baruch Again, as opposed to Val Ruch HaKadosh, as opposed to the Baal HaShvon Esteris, who is processed, and as opposed to us, who are sitting and learning a Blad Gemara, who are starting the other way around, trying to use our mind to comprehend what's happening over here. So the Ramchal just said another fascinating um, aspect of the differences between Nevua, Ruch HaKadosh, and just standard comprehension is the lasting power. When I have to, what, it, 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 the question is always which direction is the information starting from? Is it starting from me, trying to reach out to God, or is it going from God down to me? Whenever it's starting from me, I'm working first and foremost through my senses. My senses have to perceive, my mind has to interpret and deduce and infer. There's room for that to evaporate. And starting with my mind, the things don't necessarily have lasting power, sticking power in my mind and memory. Everyone has different you know, degrees of good memories and bad memories, but it's starting with my mind. I'm starting with my mind working forward and upwards from my mind. It's going to be limited by the lasting and sticking power within my mind. But Nevua, which is coming from a, a, his kashras with HaKosh Baruch himself, which is the ultimate essential information, which is unadulterated information, which is coming from top down to bottom, is embedded in my mind, planted in my mind, and, and uh, does not evaporate. The clarity remains and the information remains. This, says the Ramchal, is the bottom line and the general principle behind understanding Nevuah for all prophets. This is how Nevuah works in a general sense. Everything that we explained till now, what Nevuah is, how Nevuah is, how Nevuah works, what the Nevuah experience looks like, looks like um, what necessitates, what it entails, and the difference between Nevuah and everything else. That's the general approach. Ach, when it comes to the details, the details abound. There's tons and tons and tons of different details. 
how it differs from one experience to the next, from one prophet to the next. As we will write at length in the coming chapters with Hashem's help. And what also has to be spoken is what is above everything else, which is the level of Moshe's Nevoah over everyone else's Nevoah. That's uh, coming up with it in this week's Parsha, actually. It's the right Parsha. We're in the right week. Parsha's Balak, at least to us here on the western side of the Atlantic. For all of our listeners out there in WhatsApp, WhatsApp land in Eretz Yisrael, they're a week ahead of us. It's Pinchas, actually. But Balak does make an appearance in Pinchas as well. Um, in any case, this is the right time of year to be discussing Nevoah, and especially the Nevoah of Moshe, which the Ramchal will share with us. Sheida Allah Vatar Velaikam Navik be Yisrael Kemoshe. In Klai Yisrael, there never arose a, a prophet like Moshe. Chazal famously say, but the Goyim had someone that was great, that was, that was Bilam. Asher Yida'oi Hashem Panim El Panim, that Hashem related to face to face. So all that and more will be in the coming um, Perek, that's Perek Dalid and Perek Hay, where we're going to see how Nevu works on a specific level and Moshe and everyone else. In the meantime, that concludes, that wraps up. Paragimel, Mitzvah Shem, tomorrow we move on to Paragdala. Thank you all for joining. Have a wonderful day.